Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back from the 6th and Peabody Studios, downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Good morning all, 11 a.m. Central here, noon Eastern. Glad you're with us. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Big show today. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. He's covered the NFL for more than four decades. He joins us live in 15 minutes. We'll remember the late general manager for the Titans, Floyd Reese, uh, also uh, with the Oilers. And we will get into some of the news and notes and NFL topics of the day, including Trevor Lawrence, who we knew was the starter. He's officially been named the starter. Uh, Travis Etienne out for the season for Jacksonville. Uh, meanwhile, Sony Michelle now with the L.A. Rams in a trade from the Patriots to L.A. We'll get in depth on that and much, much more. Tennessee Power Hour, an hour from now, and in between all of that, primary complaint. Lance Lee, making it happen for us. David Reed, the chairman of the board. Gentlemen, what's up? Paul, congrats to your Yankees on beating my Braves. Uh, two straight, a, a sweep. Fun game last night. When I watched one series. inning, it felt like I saw the whole game. It's a fun game. Questionable call at the plate, but as I told Paul, it was very close. I think Freddie Freeman was safe. Paul probably thinks he was out at the plate. Either way, it's one of those that the call on the field will stand. You, you knew the whole time. The but it was, it it was wasn't, very close. wasn't enough to overturn it either way. Right. If they would have called safe, it's a bad break for the Braves because if he called safe, it, it would have stood as safe, yeah. just like it stood as out. I fought with Braves fans who just were going beyond that call and making it sound like the whole series had been umpired determined. I had one guy Travesty who made it like, like the <laughs> night before the Yankees won 5-1 because of the umpiring umpiring calls and and the Yankees by the way uh, Ozzy Albies uh, had a, a uh, alleged foul tip on strike three that came nowhere near hitting his bat I didn't lament that for hours on Twitter uh, I mean yeah, just, because you won well they, they could have won sooner and without, you would have led with that if they if they no. end up losing in the ninth it, with the calls get missed in baseball and it's a part of the game that you have to uh, absorb I I don't look I don't, I do not appreciate the NFL when they don't have the same amount of cameras at every single game. There have to be better looks at every angle of the diamond. And if I'm not seeing, I saw the replays on ESPN last night. I think they had every angle. They it's did just, not. You just can't see. There, there has to be better angles at the plate of all, every angle possible of the plate if you're going to institute instant replay into the game. The cameras should be the same for Sunday night baseball as they are for Bally sports because it's Major League Baseball. It should not be network to network. There needed to be almost like a drone overhead shot or something that was higher up because the way Sanchez had the plate blocked, every angle he was blocking or Freeman umpire, was blocking the, the moment blocking the glove hit him in the midsection, it was clear Freeman had an amazing slide and went around him and tagged the plate. 
I thought he was safe for that reason. Got him in the but open. you couldn't really get the perfect angle on when the glove first hit him. And that's why the, t- the call uh, stood. I, I there agree. wasn't enough to overturn it. To me, there, there should be enough technology at every ballpark where all these networks can use and, and use the same technology. Texans and Jags will not have the same amount of cameras no. as Titans and Rams on Monday Night Football this year. Yeah, it's that should whole, not be the case. It's a universal hole in, uh, in replay. So I go to watch a game last night. I'm hoping to watch a Yankees broadcast with my familiar broadcasters, yep. who I think are good. The, the Yankees TV broadcasters are, are as good as their radio broadcasters are bad, the most embarrassing radio broadcasters in history, Sterling and Susan Waldman. And of course, I get that, uh, you know, the rules won't let you watch this. You have to watch. It doesn't say where you have to watch it, but I know where I have to watch it. And I've got the voice remote. And so I say, Bally's, Teresa's watching this happen. Teresa providing fodder for me again. I click the thing and I say, Bally's. And it comes up Valley. And I say, Bally's. It comes up Valley. I do three times. It comes up Valley's. I say valleys with a B. It comes up valleys with a B. <laughs> I fought with this thing for uh, Braves, and it Braves, it comes up. It's giving me the Yankees broadcast of it and the Braves broadcast of it on the extra innings package, but it's not giving me the valleys thing. So I have to go old school to like the actual guide and find where valleys is, 1025 or whatever it is. And then, I'm sorry, those guys just aren't very good. So innings later, after the, after the play at the plate, they're like, we still don't know what happened. Well, guys, the, the play has been evaluated. The run is not on the board. The, the guy was called out. You can debate it hours later, but it's been adjudicated. There is a right. point at which, it, it, yes, we do know what happened. The umpire called him out. The review called him out. Technically, in the game book, it says he's out. Well, the debate continues on our YouTube chat where you can follow us, subscribe, Outkick360. Taylor says he was safe, says foot hit the base before the tag. Not sure what else you guys need to see. He was safe. Chris says Major League Baseball needs to take the replay out of the hands of the off-duty umps in New York and get a third party to do it. That's all I'm saying. I guess he's stating that they're biased because they don't want to – they tend to lean towards the call on the field because they don't want to overturn their buddies. No, I think he's saying there's a New York bias, which wouldn't explain Ozzie Albee's uh, not tipping the ball, which went against N- New York. Darren so. says, totally safe. Paul is being a homer on this one. Uh, did they, repl- they, a, a did they lot challenge of these people, that strike? A, a lot of these, the Yankees didn't challenge that strike, did uh, they? So New no, York never saw it. They, they, New York never saw it. Okay. They, they looked at it, decided not to challenge it. The, the thing is, a lot of these people debating with me, Look, I'll tell you when the Yankees suck and when the Yankees are wrong. I thought he was safe. I think I'm a lot more likely to give you an honest assessment than a lot of the people I was fighting with who have Braves in their Twitter <laughs> handle and, and have Tomahawks. What were their, their thoughts on uh, Skip Carey's work last night as they opposed to your, your thoughts? Yeah. The one guy told me Braves Radio said he was safe, so he's safe. I'm like, oh, Braves Radio said it? Yes, then he's definitely safe. Guys, I'm listening to Braves Radio right now. They got it. They said he's safe. Every angle says Hold he's on, safe. Hold on, let me see what they. Oh yeah, they're still I, I love I love the guy that tweets out exclamation more exclamation mark is bitching about. That's repl- true. You just re- said you thought he was replies. safe. Uh, the, I, I, the, the replies seen, to uh, somebody sent me a to very people good. that are Braves fans, who, a Yankees fan who screams out on Twitter is complaining about Braves fans replying to that tweet. I don't understand that. I think I'm far more impartial and able to see negative things about my team than the average sports fan is because of the business that we're in. But you set out. I thought he was out. You now think he's safe after seeing the replay? 
Uh, the, the replay I've seen most recently looks safe, which is from somebody in the crowd. But that's what you I'm were, saying. You were also that gigging. You were intentionally gigging Braves fans last yeah, night. I, uh, a little bit. I have not... Um, I have not seen a definitive replay of it. I, I got one today that's from a guy who was in the know, crowd. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I've said that's repeatedly, I, I thought he was safe. I thought the replay that I saw showed that he was safe. I also think that it was close enough to where they're always going to go with the ruling on the field. On the field. Yeah. So they should have right. got it right on the right. field, and it still would have been upheld upon review that he was safe. The other one was the Austin Riley play at second, yeah, why where upon he review, he was safe, and then he came off the back. Came off the back. I'm surprised Atlanta didn't burn over that call, and yeah. I didn't see Braves fans you know saying why? how stupid it is to run the second base on that You know play. why, Paul? goes back to your point, because Skip Carey and Jeff Francoeur immediately said, oh, he came off the back. Right. He's out. I mean, they were, they were clear where they weren't being homers. They said, but see, oh, he's safe when he came around. Oh, there his foot came off the back, and he's still tagging. Here's my issue with the Braves fans I was dealing with last night who were obsessing about the umpires. That is a very stupid baseball play to go to second base on that Oh, play. it was dumb. Very stupid. No discussion of that. Let's go back to the umpires on the thing I can well, bitch let's about give, the umpires. Because I'm not going to say anything bad about my beloved Braves. Now, if the Yankees went to second base on that and get thrown out, I would have been livid with the guy who got thrown out at second base. Let's also give credit to the Braves broadcast because Jeff Francoeur immediately said, you cannot make an out at second he base. Did. And Skip Carey was immediately. Well, Skip Carey's busy saying the Chip ball's Carey, caught Chip in Carey. left field. I always say Skip. Skip it's Chip Carey. Whichever one. It's he Skip's calls son. Line drives caught in left field that a base hits or vice versa. He's did, a little, did Waldman see Roger in the box last I, night? Waldman is terrible. That's what I'm saying. I've said every, that. They're I'm the worst every, broadcasters in every history. Every broadcast team, TV or radio, you can pick out someone you don't like that's a complete homer. Um, for, for a Major League Baseball Some are team. very good. You, 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 you do a very good job of seeing other broadcasts from around the country. Yankees TV is very good. Michael Kay with David right. Cohn and with, with Paul O'Neill. Yankees radio is, makes me miserable. It makes but, me want to, to not be a Yankees fan for how terrible But I mentioned, you know, like the Carolina Hurricanes have a good home broadcast for the NHL. Yeah, you talked about their pregame show even. Yeah, but that doesn't mean their radio broadcast isn't horrific. I, I mean, right. it, I'm sure I can pick apart something that's a complete uh, Homer-based opinion for all these broadcasts. No, but whichever... It's Atlanta, not exclusive uh, to the Atlanta Braves. It, well, I'm not, it's not exclusive, but that's the one I was forced to watch last night. They say, we, 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 more than the people in a French restaurant. And and Carrie, whichever one it is, I don't need to know its first Chip. name, is not a very competent broadcaster. He misses things on a regular basis. I, I, I don't think he's nearly as bad as you say. I also wouldn't put him in uh, with the likes of the greats of the game or anything. <laughs> um, I, I noticed last night, too, and I, I watch a lot of Braves baseball, he makes calls super quick. You talked about him confusing the line out. There was a call last night. It was a 3-2 pitch. And, I mean, he said, and that's ball four outside. And this thing was right on the borderline for the Braves. And this was before the umpire could even react. Mm. I mean, pitch hits the glove. Ball four, and that's – and I'm thinking – You guys call He games. can st- stand up right the there and ring yeah. him out at the plate, and he Especially already said ball always four. Wait. You know, field goals, you wait until you see the guy's arms oh, yeah. up, right? Yes. You always wait. That's also because when you're calling a football game with the vantage point you're calling a game from, there's no see. way you can tell. Yeah. When it's got enough di- – you can tell if it's short, but when it, it's got the distance it's, and it's close, there's no way to tell until you see them call it. Heck, we team up on field goals at practices because it's so impossible to see from the sideline. So some of us get the yardage and somebody goes behind the goalpost and gives, gives Have to. the hand signal. You can't get it as a one-person gang. John McClain's coming up. Uh, headline that was announced just before 
Uh, we went on the air today with OutKick and, and, and OutKick 360. Trevor Lawrence is the starter in Jacksonville. Breaking news. Chad loses if, his bet on As Minshew. if we didn't know Chad that Trevor sorry. Lawrence is the future. What, is what, what odds did you have that? on Minshew? Future yeah. is now. Plus 12,000. Is that a mullet that he even has or is it just long hair? I was looking. I, I didn't. I haven't even seen Minshew it in the preseason so often. But I, I saw him uh, watching the the Saints Jags the other night. They had the side by side quarterback comparison of Lawrence and Minshew, and Minshew had some sort of. I mean, this is like next level Billy Ray Cyrus, achy breaky heart, <laughs> long hair mullet. I couldn't even tell if it was technically a mullet or just really long hair. It was that. It was. He ran awful. to the bathroom upon this announcement. He's still in there, making number two. <laughs> Yeah, he's, now he's thinking number two. He's really like now, now he's like, by the way, uh, even those on uh, like the, the national writers who stress do not read into the preseason, do not read into the preseason, are reading into the Jaguars being extremely bad A lot in 2021. Of last night we're saying Urban just looks lost out there. I mean, they're, they're you know, they, and they want to exalt Urban Meyer. I mean, I think even Albert Breer, who I like and respect, but loves Urban Meyer, loves anything connected to Ohio State. Even he had some negative Urban Meyer stuff in his glowing Urban Meyer piece. One of the things that I go back to is something that Urban Meyer mentioned right after the draft. They drafted Travis Etienne, who yesterday was placed on injured reserve because it happened prior to the final roster announcement, the final cutdown. He's not eligible to return to the roster, so his rookie season is over before serious. it even started. Liz Frank is Liz serious. Frank, yeah, a serious injury. He's done for the year uh, as the 25th overall pick in this past year's draft. When they drafted him that night at the press conference, Urban Meyer mentioned, because they have Carlos Hyde and they have James Robinson, they were adding Travis Etienne to that mix, he wants an offense that's going to be top eight. I thought it was interesting. He didn't say top five or top ten. He wants to be in the top eight among rushing offenses in 2021 for year number one of his coaching tenure in Jacksonville. And that, you know, that's one that's the top quarter of the league. I'm intrigued though as to why he chose top eight. You can say top quarter, but you could also just nonchalantly say we want to be top five, top ten. And and he he mentioned that he wants his offense to be top eight rushing around the rookie quarterback, especially. Trevor Lawrence is the guy. I, I thought, you know, there's nothing. I haven't seen anything from Trevor Lawrence this preseason that says Hall of Fame status from the, from the time he's drafted. But I think he's been calm in the chaos of what has been the first two games under center uh, and behind center for Jacksonville. I mean, I'm intrigued by what he can do in his rookie season. There are going to be a lot of bumps along the way. And not having ETN now is a huge hit to how that offense was was going to churn. And it's still going to go through Carlos Hyde and through James Robinson. We will get into more of that with John McClain on the other side, talking NFL headlines with him. Big headline in a trade this morning that was announced through Adam Schefter that, that uh, Sony Michelle has been traded to the L.A. Rams. From New England to L.A., former first-round pick, now at the Rams. They were in need of a running back. Uh, we will discuss that with John, plus the late Floyd Reese. Uh, maybe no one in the media knew Floyd Reese better than John McClain. He joins us next. Uh, no better supplements right now than Aurora Nutriscience. Uh, the grab-and-go packs we love. I use the vitamin C, vitamin C the, the glutathione. Uh, you can too. Just go to vitalifescience.com. You're seeing it right now on your screen. Vitalifescience.com. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them most, your body. It's where you go to the, uh, go to the website, vitalifescience.com. 
Outkick 3 season, season ticket holders, 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills and capsules not well absorbed uh, because your body only absorbs very small amounts. Your digestive system breaks those pills down until there's little left for you to benefit from. Here's Aurora, unique cutting edge nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. Again, I use the vitamin C, you see that there, uh, vitamin D3, glutathione, simple single-use packets you can grab and go with in the mornings. And Aurora supplements will also help if you're a weekend warrior, if you take medication for high cholesterol, if you want endless benefits from other supplements, it's all available on the website. Vitalifescience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. 15% off. Vitalifescience.com. OutKick360 is back from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Pleased to be joined by John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, Pro Football Hall of Fame selector, TexasSportsNation.com, and has covered the league for more than four decades, and he joins us from Houston. John, we appreciate the time, and we, we absolutely must start with the, with the passing of Floyd Reese, former Titans and Oilers general manager, uh, you were at AT&T Stadium, Texans playing the Cowboys this past weekend when you learned of the news that Floyd had passed away. No one in the media knew him better than, than you did, um, and I'm sure you had a ton of memories that, that flooded your, your, your mind. What came to mind first? What did you think of? First of all, I was, I was distracted from the task at hand, which was the Texans at the Cowboys. Nobody cares about that game except Houston fans because they hate the Cowboy fans so much. And as I sat there, I kept thinking about stories involving Floyd, and there were so many. And then I started thinking about the column I was going to write, which I wrote yesterday. It's on our sports website, texasportsnation.com. And and uh, so there were so many. I knew I wasn't going to call other people because they'd have so many themselves, like Steve Watterson. Was, was with Floyd from 1986 when he came here to be linebackers coach under Jerry Glanville. So I just wrote two or three that were involving me uh, that that I thought were, were very uh, dear to me. And then when I was writing that column, I started to get emotional thinking about those times. Times were different then because the media, we could hang out with coaches and they'd invite us into their office, general manager, assistant GMs. That's the way it was when I started in 1977. And uh, it wasn't until, I guess, the 2000s, it really got where, and, and not at every team, but with most teams, the media is the enemy, where they trusted us. If Floyd got mad at something I wrote, he'd chew me out, lose his temper, and then 10 minutes later, he'd be laughing about it. And uh, he was always available to call him on the phone and he'd come over and we'd talk on the sideline. And it wasn't just me, it was other members of the media. They were There was just a time when you could forge lasting relationships. And as I covered the Texans, I'm thinking, you know, there's very few people that I've gotten to know because you're so limited with the access that I'll have long lasting relationships with, like I did the other people, when you could go over to interview them before practice, after practice, you could hang out in the dressing room during practice. They didn't want to talk to you. They just leave or tell you they didn't want to talk to you. But and Floyd was right. Floyd and Jeff Fisher 
were uh, right up at the forefront of that. Great with the media and gave us total access. When's the last time you spoke with Floyd? Oh, gosh, I think it was over a year ago. Might have been at the Combine of 2019 when uh, he was set up with his station. And I went over and sat out and started talking to him. And we started, hey, remember this? Hey, remember that? And uh, and and it was it was like you'd seen him a week before, and uh, and here members of the media we're standing on the Texans sideline talking about Floyd stories about Floyd and Jeff and the move and how Floyd handled it and some of the funny things he said some of the times he blew his stack because he did have a bad temper but you know the thing I always remember about him as you guys know you talk to him as Hey, Bo, what's up? You know, hey, Bo, what's up? Every time you call him, every time you walk up to him, and and uh, that hey, Bo is going to be missed by a lot of people. And here, because uh, he was here for 11 years, and I remember he was a coach, and it was Tommy Smith's idea to offer him a job in personnel. Bud went along with it, and they asked him. Floyd never thought about it. He was going to Atlanta with Jerry Glanville as his defensive coordinator, and he talked it over with his wife, Sally, about staying here and moving into personnel, being groomed to replace Mike Holovac, who was very territorial because Mike was approaching 80, and he didn't want to give up the job. So he gave Floyd the mushroom <coughs> treatment. So tell us, how's the job going? Yeah, they keep me in the dark. Every once in a while, open the door and shovel some more, you know what, on me. And uh, when he took over, the salary cap had just kicked in. It was tearing his team apart but knowing what they went through and Paul was there he knows when they thought they were going to Nashville in 2000 after the 2015 season they had to wait another year that lame duck season was terrible but Floyd and Jeff did a tremendous job of navigating incredibly difficult circumstances and uh, they always handled it professionally that's what I always liked about Floyd he was professional not many general managers let you tie him up on a golf bus and throw them in whipped cream and pies because it was their birthday. And uh, and I, I had some stories with him where he was just determined to prove me wrong on something I wrote, like contract numbers or injuries, and he, he couldn't, and he was mad at first. Then he would, then he would uh, just laugh about it, like he always had that big laugh. And he loved telling stories, and he loved hearing stories. And But when he was a coach, I didn't know him as well as I did when he became general manager. Because Jerry Glanville didn't have an offensive or defensive coordinator. We could talk to the coaches, but Jerry was so entertaining and so controversial. We spent most of our time talking to him. John, sort of a big picture question in regards to media relations today versus Floyd Reese and how he worked with media. And I, I mentioned this when we were sharing stories about Floyd Reese. I was introduced to you with a, a former show hosted by George Plaster. And Floyd Reese is a weekly guest, and on that show, Floyd had a way of giving you an answer where you felt satisfied, yet he didn't really answer your question or give you any inside trade secrets or anything else. But Floyd always understood the value of media and how you could utilize media for your benefit at times, but how it was also something that was necessary. And I feel like that is a dying breed across the league when you think of Floyd Reese and how he treated reporters like yourself or Paul Kuharski and others who cover NFL teams. Do you see that the same way when you think back on Floyd and the way he treated media as opposed to today, the way the NFL treats their media? 
No, absolutely. Today, many of us are like the gum on the bottom of their shoe instead of uh, they don't trust us. And I'm not really sure why that is, but they don't. And Floyd, I remember, he told me one time when they went to the playoffs for the first time in 87, they'd gone six consecutive years without making the playoffs after the Love You Blue era. And he said, man, it's hard to enjoy getting in the playoffs. You guys just blast us all the time because you hate Jerry so much. And I said, well, it's nothing. got nothing to do with you. And then it was general manager. And this was right before he moved to Nashville. He said, one thing I've learned is you don't want to get in war with people who buy their ink by the barrel, which, of course, is an old saying about newspapers. But newspapers are not as important as they used to be. And he understood it. Don't know where that came from, but he understood it. And so did Jeff Fisher. I've never covered any coach and general manager, except when Bob Phillips was the coach and general manager, that I had a better relationship with on a professional level because they treated me with respect and I try to treat them with respect. And Paul knows this. When you write a story and they get angry about it, I told a guy one time, I said, okay, I'll give you $100 every negative word you can find that I've written about you if you give me 10 for every positive word I've written about you. And the player had to think a minute. I said, that's going to cost you a lot of money because you know 90% of what I write about you is positive. And they understood you were fair. One time Bill O'Brien was cussing me out uh, last year, and he was going on and on, and he'd done that before. And I said, stop. Are you saying I'm treating you? Am I treating you fair? And he goes, yeah. I said, okay, go carry on. And he did. So as long as they think we're fair, and Floyd understood that, and so did Jeff, and that's why they treated the media with respect, and that's why they are so liked and respected. Uh, one last one on Floyd. I, just you mentioned Glanville departing departing for Atlanta. Um, if I'm remembering the story correctly, Floyd was uh, a little worried for his life at a time there after there was a delivery made to uh, to the front desk at the Oilers facility. Uh, they brought him a box, a white box, put it on his desk, and they're like, "Okay." What is this? Is this from some Falcons fans because he didn't come? Is it from Oilers fans because he didn't go? And what is it? And then when they went over there and they looked at it, they opened it up. It was a black rose sent from Jerry Glanville signaling the death of Floyd's career. And it didn't quite work out that way. Let's move on to some league issues. The, the Hall of Fame Seniors Committee and, uh, and the Coach Committee now that we're putting in a coach every year for a stretch here comes up with Cliff Branch, who's widely regarded as maybe the best player not in the Hall of Fame, and Dick Vermeil. Uh, I, I think Dick Vermeil did a very nice job turning around two more bun franchises, but I, I just really don't understand Don Coriel, who was in front of us six years in a row, made the final 10, and has now been sprinted by by Tom Flores, by Jimmy Johnson, um, by Bill Cower. Um, the coach pipeline is wide open now, and if you go to a Super Bowl, it seems like you're a shoo-in. Well, there's a lot of guys that like George Seifert won two, and he's not in there. And, and Flores finally got in there, won two. Shanahan won two. He hadn't been on the list, I don't think. Maybe they will be. Tom Coughlin won two. But Dick Vermeil did a lot more as a coach besides just turn about turn around the Eagles, the Rams, and the Chiefs. 
and uh, he was um, he was a trailblazer early in his career. And of course, he was great at UCLA, and he was the subject of a great movie in which there was a great scene of sports writers as an introductory press conference in which they showed my ball spot. And I, I got no problem. I vote for those guys. Any t- and I'm on the seniors committee and the coach committee and the regular committee, as you are, Paul. And I was not participating this year because I had to cover the taxes. But whoever those committees recommend, I vote for. Al Davis told me one time, this is about five years before he died, we were at a league meeting, and I pulled him off the side, and I asked him, what Raider who's not in the Hall of Fame is the most deserving? And this was before John Madden went in. And and I was thinking about Lester Hayes, who's from Houston, who'd been a finalist for a lot of years, and he immediately said Cliff Branch. And he went into this whole dissertation about why Cliff Branch should be in the Hall of Fame, how he affected their offense, how he affected defenses. And that sold me. And every time we've had a senior meeting, I've told the other members of the committee that story about Al Davis. I said, take it for what it is. But that's what he said. And I'm glad because Cliff is uh, from Houston. I wish that he were still alive to celebrate his induction, but he's not. And I know his family and his friends and his fans will certainly be happy about it. And and I've always liked Dick Vermeil. I'm happy for him. And uh, I have no issues voting for him. I'm a Coriel guy. You think his time has come and gone in terms of consideration with the with the list that you just provided there of other coaches coming? I think uh, this, as long as we have a, a coach who goes in every year, eventually Don Coriel is going to go in there. One of the things that I remember about Don, he was a trailblazer with his passing game, but I remember the 1979 divisional round playoff game in San Diego. They were favored by 20 over the Oilers who had quarterback Dan Pastorini, running back Earl Campbell, and receiver Kenny Burrow. Their three top offensive weapons out with injuries, and the Oilers beat them. And, uh, and he was terribly outcoached in that game, and one game doesn't make a career, of course. And when he comes up and he pops up and he's the guy, I'll be happy to vote for him. I'm just glad we're finally able to get some coaches in there because it was hard to vote for them against players unless it was a no-brainer. And I talked to Jimmy Johnson at an event about three years ago. He didn't think he was going in because he didn't think he could coach long enough. And I said, Jimmy, let me tell you, at some point you're going in, you won two Super Bowls, you were the architect of a third, even though Barry Switzer did it, and you had total control of personnel, and you did a great job in that department. And uh, a lot of these people, they don't think they're going in. And that's why I get so excited when they find out. Uh, When Jimmy started crying on the set, at Fox when Dave Baker came around that corner. You know, that's a memory you're going to cherish for, he'll cherish that for a lifetime. John, it's hard not to read in to preseason performances, especially of these rookie quarterbacks. And you know, some have been good, some have been bad, and, and some will end up playing better than what they're playing right now in, in the regular season. Some won't. Uh, Mac Jones is one of those who has played well. And Cam Newton, due to a misunderstanding of COVID protocol in New England, has left the door open for Mac Jones to take that job. Bill Belichick said it is a very big week for the rookie quarterback. Do you think it's realistic that we could see Mac Jones in week one? First of all, when's the last time we saw the Patriots have a misunderstanding of a rule? Those protocols have been in place since last year. I don't buy that PS one bit. And Cam Newton's going to lose this job. I don't think they loaded up in free agency 
for a rookie quarterback. I think they'll give Newton the opportunity to start, see if he plays better than last year. And if he didn't, they'll go with him. I say all the time, if you start a rookie, you're throwing in the towel on the season. Last rookie, I think, start a whole season and make the playoffs was Andrew Luck in 2012, Russell Wilson before that. There have been a lot of rookie starters since then. So the odds are against you. And I'm not picking a playoff. The Patriots go to the playoffs, no matter who's starting at quarterback. But two people before the draft that I respect immensely as quarterback coaches that just rant and went on and on about Mac Jones and his development in the NFL. And this was back before he was drafted. And that was Charlie Weiss, longtime assistant coach and head coach, and June Jones. Uh, June Jones, another longtime NFL coach and quarterback coach, and they just love Mac Jones. So I know what he's done in preseason, no surprise to them. But on the other hand, he hadn't seen anything. You know, they're putzing along on on uh, I-65 and his rush hour, and then all of a sudden I-65 is going to clear up and everybody's going 80, and these guys are like, whoa, what's happening? Because they're going to get it from every angle, and they're going to do everything they can to confuse them. Best thing the Patriots got going for them is a good running game, and you have to have that if you're going to start a rookie. Justin Fields is not going to be the starting quarterback in week one against the Rams for the Chicago Bears. We will see him as the starter in preseason game week three here in Nashville. It was the Bears played the, the Titans here at Nissan Stadium on Saturday evening. Uh, what would you do if you're in Chicago right now? Coaching situation, uh, we know the general manager situation there and what they're up against. Uh, they have not had a consistent quarterback in years and now the fans are clamoring, and rightfully so, for the future. The future right now is starting the season on the bench. Meanwhile, Andy Dalton's getting booed already at home games at Soldier Field for preseason games. Yeah, it's not the first time Andy Dalton's been booed. <laughs> he can handle it. You know, he's been around for a while. It's hard to believe he used to lead the Bengals to the playoffs every year. They couldn't win a game, but they did go to the playoffs. He's not long for the starting world. Justin Fields is going to get to play. Matt Nagy's job is supposed to be on the line. If you play a rookie quarterback and your owner understands what's going to happen, it might buy him another year. If were to play Andy Dalton all season, he'd be gone after this season. So it's Justin Fields only a matter of time, just like I think Mac Jones is only a matter of time. What about Trey Lance in San Francisco, John? Is it just a matter of time for him? And it is fun to look at these different rookie quarterback scenarios because they're all very different. And when you look at San Francisco's roster and Jimmy Garoppolo in front of him, it's also a very different situation. But what do you think about him starting sooner rather than later in San Francisco? Chad, like you know Kyle Shanahan's dying to play him. He gave up three number one picks. He played one game last year. So he should have been way behind. And they spent the entire offseason saying Jimmy Garoppolo's our quarterback if he's healthy. And when he's healthy, he's played well. But they're coming off a last-place finish. If they play, play Trey Lance, they're not going to the playoffs in all likelihood. Maybe they'll be the first team since uh, Andrew Luck to do that. But I would imagine they're going to give Jimmy G the chance to do it early in the season. If he gets hurt or they struggle, Trey Lance is going to play. And I think the only thing we know now is Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence are going to play. And I think both of them will struggle big time. Ever since the schedule came out, I picked the Texans to beat the Jaguars here in the first game because I thought, okay, you got a rookie quarterback and you got a rookie head coach. And I don't care 
how great he was in college. Those coaches coming first time to the NFL, they got a little transition period of their own. Jaguars are favored by three. They've been favored by three, and it hasn't changed. And uh, so I'll be surprised if the Texans don't win a field goal game between two offenses that are struggling big time. John, Pro Football Writers of America knew this was coming. It's public now. Uh, no locker room access post-game for the regular press, but lo and behold, the team employed press gets in. So uh, Pravda in full force here, positive sunshiny stories off losses and access for some kid the Texans have hired while a 40-year veteran like you stands outside and gets the scraps that the team chooses to hand you. Um, I can understand it in the moment, but it doesn't bode well for our future either. Oh, I've been told for months nobody would get in the locker room in the media after games, and they're not media, they're team employees. And you're right about the future. I'm wondering what excuse they'll use next year to keep us out uh, if indeed the coronavirus is no longer an issue, but the way we're going, it very well may be indeed. It's always amazing. Those of us who've had two vaccines, we can't get in there, but players with no vaccines can be in there. And I can't wait to see how COVID-19 is going to impact the playoff race, and it will impact the playoff race. Here are the Texans' best player. Left tackle Laramie Tunsil, not vaccinated. Got two other guys quarantined. He missed the last two games. He's still not activated. And if that happened in regular season, they'd have lost their best player because he's not vaccinated. And that's happening across the league. And wait till it happens to a quarterback, and he has to miss two games and they miss the playoffs or home field advantage by two games. Well, given, given what we've seen already with the Titans and the Cowboys – and, and with a, a glimpse of the NFL protocols, which we're having to, to factor in who's vaccinated, who's not, we're seeing what Cam Newton is, is doing right now, where he has to sit out this week. Um, we're, we're going to see games affected by this in the regular season. They, they have not been built in the extra week. They, you know, a, a month ago, they sent out a memo with the word forfeit written on it for the first time during this process. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to see them move games. I, I, I'm wondering how flexible the NFL will be throughout this season, given the extra week and given the fact that they've really allowed no flexibility come postseason time. If you have an unvaccinated player that is a spreader and is causing you to not be able to fill enough players, you should have to forfeit because the guy's a moron. The guy's an idiot because there's so much at stake not only do they hurt themselves, they hurt their teammates, their fans, their organization, cast the ball over the league for what? For being stubborn? I think I told you guys I timed my shots. They took nine seconds for two of them. And so I just don't understand what the big deal is. And if you want to know who's not vaccinated, just look and see who's wearing masks on the sidelines at games because those guys have to wear their mask all the time. And I hate to see a team missed the playoffs because they had eight players or players who refused to get vaccinated. And if I'm fans, I go ballistic. And if I'm teammates, I am upset. I'm infuriated. Well, I, I would be upset as well, except, I mean, what we're seeing now with the vaccinated coach, with the vaccinated players, the NFL has not accounted for that aspect of positive testing. And 
With Vrabel missing this week, Ryan Suckup had dinner with Titans players. He's double vaxxed. He tested positive. Teams are going to be impacted by their vaccinated players as well. That's going to impact Sundays. The experts, the medical experts, and I go by a couple people here at the Houston Medical Center who have voices around the country, they've, they've warned of that. There's no excuse for the NFL not to have a plan for that because we've known for months it was going to happen. You're not going to die, and you're not going to get really sick from it, but it's still going to keep you out. And so it's going to wreak havoc. Last year, the league did a tremendous job of adjusting, unless you're the Denver Broncos and you had to pay a receiver, a quarterback. You hope that doesn't happen again. But, you know, I tell you what, it will have an impact. And it's going to affect, I'm not saying a lot of teams, but some teams. Final thing for you, John. The Rams have traded uh, for Sony Michelle. They lost Cam Akers. Cam Akers had the Achilles injury. Uh, they trade for Sony Michelle, former first-round pick for the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots have, have noticed a lot from their backup running backs, young backs in the preseason. They trade Michelle to L.A., and now with Stafford with the Rams and, and what they're capable of doing, what do you think Michelle can give them in the backfield? Rams also lost Daryl Henderson. I forget yep, what the right. injury was. And they gave up a five and a six for him. Not a big deal to get a running back who's still young. It's only his fourth year in the league, but he got caught in a numbers game with the Patriots. But, you know, if Bill Belichick thought he could still play, he'd still be there. And maybe it'll be a new lease on life for him to go out and play with a fun team. I look for the Rams. I just sent in my predictions for our football section. I picked the Rams to win that division because I think Matthew Stafford has felt like he died and went to heaven. And uh, I'll tell you what. Having a running game is so important because Stafford has never had one in Detroit. You know, when's the last thousand-yard runner they had in Detroit? Barry Sanders and Sean McVay is determined to have a running game to help take some of the heat off of him. It's a great opportunity for Michelle when he's looking for a new contract. It's a good trade. John McClain, Houston Chronicle. Follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Were there really 70,000 people at AT AT&T Stadium for that preseason game? No, that was tickets sold. They had about 40,000 there. 40,000 only. Okay. I was listening to a podcast yesterday morning that said there were legitimate 70,000. And I, Give I, me did, a break. I did a rewind on the podcast. A Cowboys, I, and, <laughs> Cowboys employee. That's a person that. that's got access to the Cowboys locker room. What, what's crazy, though, is it, yeah, you're right. Yeah, what's crazy, though, is John, I hear that about Dallas and I, I find it believable. Like, it's just crazy uh, that even 40,000 would show up and go to those games for preseason game number two. Tell you what, if I didn't have to, I would never go to another preseason game. I've been going to them since 1977. It's like we say here, don't don't even bother watching these games. We'll we will. We're we're going to do that for you. We'll tell you what happened and then join us in the regular season. Watch a couple highlights. For everybody that's fired up about what their team does in preseason, just remember the Lions were 4-0 when they went 0-16. <laughs> Great preseason franchise, John. Yeah. You're right. Those the Detroit two, Lions. The two winless they know teams. How to, they know how to prepare in the preseason. Hey, the uh, John, you, you, you know, we're partnered with FanDuel. I am withholding my Super Bowl prediction until you give us yours later uh, this yeah. month. So we could steal it. Yes, because you always get one of these two you're teams, not gonna if not want, both right. You're not going to want to steal Still mine, because I'm going out on a limb again. It won't be far-fetched, but you're not going to want to steal mine. That's the reason I do it, because like the last, I remember when I picked Philadelphia, and when I did, a couple of talk shows found out, called me, 
yeah. where what the picks matter with me. And then after that season, they were calling me like crazy. Come back on. I didn't have them winning. I just had them going. And the team I have going this year, you guys will not want to uh, use it. Okay. Well, uh, we'll bet it anyway. The Detroit Lions. I like heard this. it here first. The Chargers or the Rams. You get 50% chance. They have never chance. been to the Super Bowl. All right. We will, uh, we will be tuned in on that. He's um, high on Pittsburgh. I bet he's got Pittsburgh in that. Maybe, yeah, I'm going to reveal, reveal my Super Bowl winner and the name of my band. Oh, <laughs> record-breaking right, record viewership for that episode of John McClain. Yeah, we'll hype that for months. Uh, John, uh, thank you uh, for, the, for joining us today. We look forward to next week's chat. Guys, thank you very much. Don't forget my column on TexasSportsNation.com about Floyd Reese. Thank you. Yes, thank Thanks. you so much, John. We'll retweet that as well. John McClain, who joins us weekly here for OutKick 360. So he's going with the Cleveland Browns, is my guess. I was just running through um, teams that have never been to a Super Browns. Hey, I was going to joke and Who say he's picking Jacksonville. <laughs> Who would it be in the NFC? Because he's very big on Pittsburgh. He's been talking up Pittsburgh a lot. Well, he said that the pick has never been to a Super Bowl. I know. So I'm trying to think who's never it's been not to a Super Bowl in the NFC. It's a short list. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'd, we'll, we'll put our heads together and we'll, we'll find another option. Yeah. Um, coming up, primary complaint. Paul walked in today and said, I'm going third. Uh, that means it's going to be good. Primary complaint straight ahead from the 6th and Peabody Studios. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Each and every week, it's primary complaint time here on the show where we air our top grievance of the week. No one's complaining about the work that Lance Lee is doing. He's our MVP today, but we do have a top grievance and it's time to hit it right now. My primary complaint this week is exactly what's on the screen. The, the opportunities lost for the University of Tennessee. Patrick Brown uh, tweeted this out. Tennessee's 2019 offense had three NFL wide receivers, Marquez Callaway, Josh Palmer, Juwan Jennings. Plus they had Trey Smith of the offensive line. We know what they're doing now in the NFL across training camp rosters. My primary complaint is Jim Chaney was paid $1.6 million last season, well over a million dollars per year to be the offensive coordinator when he was hired. It was stressed throughout the athletic program that there was an investment made in the coaching staff, in player development. We've got to just recruit better athletes. That's, that's the line. These coaches inherited a mess, and it turns out the coaching staff after coaching staff after coaching staff has been a mess at the University of Tennessee. Top flight coaching and player developers are what's lacking on the Hill. Josh Heupel, Alex Golish, Tim Banks, use 2021 to get settled in because I'm not gonna sit around and wait while you roll out the same excuses about needing more players on the recruiting trail while we see glimpses of hope that are misused across offenses and defenses. Go to the NFL and actually find a roster spot and have success. It's time to do the same at the collegiate level just down the road in Knoxville. That's my primary complaint. My primary complaint, sorry, Starbucks, but this is my visual aid today because 
I went to a local Starbucks location, walked in to the, I guess it's a restaurant, cafe, whatever the hell you call it, walked in to get a large coffee. That was it. Typically, when you order a coffee at a coffee place, and that's it, no specialty drink, nothing that's too extravagant to make, they turn around, they pour your coffee, they hand it to you after you pay. But here's what was going on at this local Starbucks. They were filling every order that was coming from their app before getting to anyone in the store. I'm all for convenience. I'm all for businesses operating in a way to make sure you can help as many people as possible. But we have to stop doing this at the expense of people who actually walk into your locations. This is a widespread problem. It's not just Starbucks. People ignoring the person in front of them because they're doing something to help those that are ordering something on their phones. There has to be a better way. After 17 minutes of waiting, I saw people getting handed coffees and other drinks to them that ordered after me, and I walked up and said, I ordered just a large coffee. Can you please pour it and hand it to me? Which they did. There was no apology, nothing else. I took it and went on my way. Do not sacrifice customer service of those in front of you for those that are virtual. That is my primary complaint. My primary complaint pertains to the access that these team-employed reporters will be getting from the NFL post-game. We talked about it a bit with John McClain. Here's what's going to happen, though. These team reporters who are going to get the locker room access after a game are going to double dip. They're going to go into the locker room and get stuff that rest of us peasants can't get. But they're also going to come running out into the the interview room, and they're going to get the same stuff that the rest of us get, too. They're going to double dip. Here's my challenge to you. You go get that special access that the rest of us can't have and beat us with that. Outright me with what you get in the locker room. And don't come and also get the, the interviews that the rest of us get who don't have access to the locker room. If you need both to beat me, you're weak. Go beat me with your special access and I'll beat you with my access on the thing. I'll outright you and I'll write something more interested and more critical of the, of the situations in the game that were important without that locker room access. If you need both, you're weak. And I guarantee you this, you're gonna take both. You can join us for your primary complaint, 360 at outkick.com is how you can submit your video, your audio, or your writing. 360 at outkick.com. Uh, a, a, a time long ago, we once witnessed a walk-off between two radio hosts in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> and a pulled hamstring. I feel like Paul just did the equivalent of a Mark Howard and said, I will walk you into the ground by saying, I will write you into the ground. Yes. There's Let's a write-off. Write -off. There's a write-off happening. An old school literature warfare. Literary warfare with Paul versus every media member. I like it. Let's make this happen. Well, I mean, it's already cheerleader material that's coming in, certainly off a loss. Oh, that's uh, exactly what the teams want league-wide, and, and not just in the NFL. I mean, we're seeing it across all major sports and platforms, even, not even major sports. I mean, even at the collegiate level, MTSU, you know, has a staff writer now for their, for their website that's not working for the Daily News Journal. I would love to see a team that had the stones that said, you know what? Our media person is a reporter on our team. He acts like a reporter every day. 
He has the same access that you guys do. We decline to put him in the locker room in a way that the rest of you can't be in the locker room. He or she is going to continue to be treated like the rest of you. That would be like a real statement about your, your coverage and stuff. Well, it's why I asked the question to John McClain about Floyd Reese and how he treated the media versus how everyone else in the NFL treats the media now. You're, he, what did he say, gum on the bottom of your shoe? That's how the NFL teams, coaches, everyone treats outside media. They don't care anymore. People are going to talk about and say whatever they want about your team, and they feel like it does not affect them. And all they want is happy talk. They're, taking away the They're happy to go take- hire more and more people in their own department to provide them with happy talk and continue to shut out people like you, Paul. That's, that's the, that is the wave of the NFL right now. And there now. are unintended consequences here because what it does, guys, tell me if you don't agree with this, the, the less I can get to people and maybe alone a little bit, at least with one guy for an explanation or something that might be a little bit different than what everybody else has, the more it pushes me to write opinion. And the more I write opinion, the more angry you are with me because I'm not talking to people and delving into stuff where it helps me back my opinion or write more of a news story as opposed to a column. So what you're doing is creating more and more columnists. So I'm qualified. Joe Rexroad's qualified. But you've got a lot of fringier media down the line who are going to write columns who aren't qualified to write columns. You're forcing them to do that because they're not accessing people. But here's the thing. All they have to do, because all these fringy people you're talking about, most of them have no audience. They're not like us with an audience. Well, you know, so I don't look. Is? I can watch a Titans game. I don't ever ever have to step foot in the locker room, and I know enough about football. Where I'm coming here and talk about the Titans game, and people are going to pay attention to it because we're a show that people pay attention to. So yes, it's wise for NFL teams to keep a good relationship with shows like ours. But Paul, they don't have to worry about the fringy element. Well, the people because who are the thought process is they're not persuading fans' opinion either way so they can be locked out and say whatever they want, do whatever they want because it doesn't affect us. The people they credential they consider important enough and the people they credential are being read by John Robinson, Mike Rabel, everybody in in that building. So you're going to be pissed off about opinions that you're helping force people to write because you're not providing them access to your people. Well, here's where they can't have it both ways. And I agree with you on this. You cannot continue to lock out impartial media and give them less access and then have the audacity to challenge them on their opinions when you do such. Either they don't matter and you don't care, or they do matter and you do care. Can't have it both ways. Either no access and shut up and people that are opinionists can write whatever they want about your team because you no longer care about them, or... You give them access and you treat them like a working media member the way Floyd Reese would treat people. By the way, I reached out to two people uh, about this, you know, to, to ask, you know, is Jim Wyatt doing this? Is he in the locker room? I haven't heard back. But I, I, I can't see the Titans not doing what the rest of the league is going to do. Paul, by all means, it's I a, want it's you. the league policy. I right? want you to fight the good fight on these things because someone's got to do it. But. I am very discouraged oh, it's no win. where things are going. No and win. this is not a Titans problem. This is not just an NFL problem. You look around all over the place, and this is what media relations departments want. Well, look, they would rather hire you and bring you under their wing and tell you what to say than deal with you. What we need to do collectively as a media, and I'm not just talking in Nashville, like we should organize a day 
where none of us go and ask anything. And, and where their feeds of their press conferences, which they're relying on hits, have nothing but Jim Wyatt asking questions. And well, their content, which is relying on us, is blank for a day. But nobody will participate in that because if you're at the news channel, you need your, your 45 second soundbite. I would well, love to organize a day. It's like beyond that. that, though. You're not giving the Titans enough credit for what, what they provide. They provide ratings. I'm not going to sit here and talk about random sports in town. Oh, no, I know. You wouldn't either. But, you barely talk college football. I, I, but I'm saying I don't need, in order to be able to talk about the Titans today, to have those five guys at the rail yesterday. I don't need to hear from, uh, from David but, Questenberry. But here's the, here's the thing, rain. Paul. They still, if you really take a look at it, AJ Brown and think about twice. it, think about it at another layer of this, okay? Let's do yeah, your no, boycott. I, let's go right. through your boycott idea here for a second. You guys show up for a press conference, no one asks a question. One day, and you're saying they rely on those hits. First of all, I don't think they rely on those hits about a Titans press conference for any business in the NFL. They're going to do they fine without it. that. They got it sponsored. That's great. You know what they're going to do next? Have Jim Wyatt do the entire press conference <laughs> and do a seven-minute sit-down interview with their coaches every day that is state-sponsored with their same sponsor on there, same amount of hits, everything else. So try that once, and they'll say, great. We got it the way we want now. We can do five yeah, minutes maybe. with Jim Wyatt one-on-one, -on -one, and it's the same content that you're going to get, except probably Mike Vrabel is going to be in a better mood when he's talking to Jim Wyatt. It's going to be the only difference. Maybe. I mean, it, we're, we're now officially into the Tennessee Power Hour. I mean, you, you, you want to boycott and do 45 seconds on Vanderbilt women's basketball team no. that people won't sit through the commercial for no, or I, talk I, about A.J. Brown and Julio not, Jones? Well, I'm going to talk about A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, but I haven't spoken to A.J. Brown or Julio Jones in weeks. Well, so talking, not talking to them doesn't help me. I can go watch them and tell you about what I saw, and we can discuss them in great right. detail because we're intelligent people it, to be able to discuss them. But I'm, I, A.J. Brown said hello to me yesterday. I got yelled at for speaking to him. He said something to me. But, Paul, this... That's where we are. This affects... <laughs> he said, wow. hey, Paul. I said something back, and I was told he's not speaking today. These things that you're discussing... <laughs> what do is, I do with that? Which is crazy. I mean, look, you're, again... I applaud you for fighting the good fight. This is what you should be doing. This is what impartial said, media spoke. members should be doing. I said, he spoke to me. What do I do? Turn my back, run away, bury my head in the sand? Who said that to you? Someone in media relations? Yes. He's not speaking today. Well, he, he just spoke. Yeah, uh, uh, that's he news to me because his, I saw his mouth move and words come out. That's, that's crazy. Oh. That's crazy talk. Oh, coming up, the Tennessee Power Hour includes a, a, a special announcement about how we're going to help uh, a high school football team here in Tennessee uh, due to the flooding uh, and the devastation that took place uh, just down the road from us here in Music City. We will discuss that, give details there. We will talk Tennessee football and specifically an investigation through the NCAA and the athletic program that may be coming to an end soon, believe it or not. We'll get details there, and we'll talk about Julio Jones on a limited basis with the Titans practice, even though the media didn't talk to him. That's straight ahead on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day, and give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.